Thursday, and you're almost there to Friday. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we are in Luke 10 through 12, and it's good stuff. Jesus sends out disciples to witness, and that's what we do. And when he does that, you know, the more you share, the more resistance you're apt to find. And that's really what we get today is we got to learn that with the stronger relationship we get with Jesus, the more we can find resistance because you're changing. You're, you're a different person. You're a new you. And it's not always uh, in your face resistance, but it's a kind of resistance it's like questioning what are you about now and so we're gonna see some of that today and we'll try to explain it out so Luke 10 starts out with Jesus sending out 72 other disciples in pairs and he sends them out to do witnessing so they're going to go tell about jesus right they're preparing his way and his thing is the harvest is great but the workers are few so pray to the lord who's in charge of the harvest ask him to send more workers so that's 36 pairs okay i know when we go out we divide up into teams and our teams we try to send out a minimum of groups of three sometimes there's only two but it just depends on how many people are there and so we cover neighborhoods and we go and just pray over people and talk to them about jesus and and give them some things just out of love and it's important in most places are receptive to that that we go to and jesus says you know, if they welcome you, bless them. And if they don't, shake the dust from your feet and move on. And so when we meet that opposition and they don't want us to pray with them or they don't want to receive what we have to tell them, which is few, I have to tell you, it's few. When they close the door, we still pray peace over their house. We don't just walk away and and like curse them you know that's we don't do that we we pray peace over them because we know our god is bigger yeah i said the other day in our church service first john 4 4 which i know we haven't got to yet but it says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and the whole purpose of jesus remember john the baptist says I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that's Jesus living in you through the Holy Spirit. So he's bigger than anything out there. And when we go out and do this, 
we can be assured that he's going to help us through it. And Jesus just tells them, you know, if they just keep refusing us, it's it's going to be difficult for them on Judgment Day. And they go out and they witness and they come back. And just like we do, man, they come back and they're all excited because they got to see demons cast out and healings take place. And we see that when we go out. And Jesus is excited, and he says, yes. And this is a very distorted scripture sometimes people take out of context. Jesus says, yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. So what Jesus is really saying is, remember, he is God in the flesh. So he is still has this omnipresent mindset where he can be where you're at even though he's not there. And what he's seeing is he's seeing the victories and where they were more successful than not. And what we're going to learn later is we got to remember that this is a spiritual battle we're in. And so what Jesus is saying is, yes, I saw how you were able to go out there and win the battle, and that's so awesome. So then Jesus gives this prayer of thanks, and he's thinking that these people are getting it, and then there's others that think they get it that don't, and he's just thankful that these people get it because the Lord has revealed himself to them enough that they get it, and that's huge. So one of the guys that doesn't get it a religious law expert stands up to test Jesus. And he's like, so what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, so what does the law of Moses say, Mr. Expert? And he says, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, correct. So do this and you will live. So evidently that wasn't enough for this religious law expert. So he asks another question because, you know, Jesus kept it simple. He wasn't going to get into it with the guy. And the guy says, well, then who is my neighbor? So then Jesus goes into the dissertation of the Good Samaritan. And this is all in chapter 10 and this is really good because he lists off the three guys the the you know the jewish man that gets uh basically robbed by some bandits and left for dead on the side of the road and a jewish priest goes by a temple assistant goes by and they don't help him they just cross the other side of the road because they don't want to get involved and then a Samaritan, you know, the ones that people don't really want to deal with, goes by, picks the guy up, takes him to a hotel, has him takes care of his wounds, dresses him, gets him all taken care of. When I say dresses, I mean dresses his wounds, and takes care of the guy, pays his hotel bill, leaves the guy with more money for the guy to stay a few extra nights, and then tells the hotel person, if he needs more time, let me know and I'll pay his bill. So then he asks the religious law expert, who do you think the neighbor is? Well, I guess it's the Samaritan. Here's what's really good about this story. You know, it's, it's 
the down and out people that so many times the churchy people look to the other way on and sit across from. So you here's what's this is a call out for us. If we get new people in our church, how do we approach them or do we? Do we go and greet them and welcome them and make them feel? And I'm not talking about the church greeter. I'm talking about all of us. We should all make them feel welcome. That's our neighbor. We should be neighborly to them. We should make them feel like they are part of our neighborhood right there in our church. And that, you know, I know for a fact that we as church people oftentimes walk to the other side. And we don't want to be that way. We want to really try to not do that because people pick up on that. And if they don't sense that they're welcome, then they don't return. And we have to be, you know, going back to the parable of the seeds, we have to be a ground that's so fertile that they can get planted in it and get rooted. But if we walk to the other side, then they're like, plants that are on a footpath or rocky soil because they're not going to get rooted. And then we become the thorns because we look at them and we say things, cast out judgment on them and do things that make them feel choked out and they go away. And we really want to treat them with so much respect and neighborly so they feel welcome and we fall short on that a lot of times so we really you know instead of putting up the phrase all the time this is your home this can be your home we should just put something in about being neighborly where we want to be neighborly with you. And so the Good Samaritan is really good, and this this gets that uh, religious law expert thinking because Jesus, he replies that, you know, it's the Samaritan that was a neighbor because he showed mercy to him, and Jesus says, correct, now you go and do the same. And I think that's good for us to take in and realize in our churches we can't walk to the other side. We really have to be neighborly. So then the story shifts to when he visits Mary and Martha's house. And this is a good story because, you know, Martha's busy doing all the cooking and preparing, and she gets a little uptight because Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and there's and listening to Jesus teach. So Martha's like, sir, can't you... Uh, tell her to just get up and help me with things and and Jesus says there's only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary has discovered it and it's not going to be taken from her see she's doing what's important she is in the presence of the holy spirit and sometimes we get so busy doing church that we miss <laughs> the important thing which is just being in his presence and just being in the presence of the Holy Spirit and letting the kingdom of God be 
with us right there. So we go to chapter 11, and Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. That's the first thing he teaches us how to do. And he, because he says, this is how you should pray. And the Lord's Prayer is in there. And uh, then he teaches us about how we should keep asking for things. Because if we keep asking then and keep seeking, then the doors will be open and we'll receive. For any, everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So he's saying, you know, when you pray... If you don't get it the first time, just keep praying. Because even when I don't see that you're working, even when I don't see that you're moving, he's working and moving. Because he's the way maker, miracle worker. And it's like, come on, we, we got to keep doing this. And that's what he's telling us in there. So then he reaches that opposition from those guys because he can cast out demons. And he's like, this is where Jesus says, you know, a house divider will not stand. If I was a prince of demons, you know, how would a demon cast out demons? Make That just makes no sense. And we saw that in the other two Gospels as well. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But then Jesus talks about who's with me, you know. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me this is huge and i think we got to remember that so he expands on that with this real interesting thought and this i really i really believe this because what happens is I, and I'll, I'll explain. Let me read it first. In chapter 11, verse 24, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. And then the spirit finds seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. So that person is worse off than before. This, people, reminds me of when the Lord does some miraculous work in us, like a healing or some forgiveness or restoration, really does something good for us. And we live in the glory for a while, but then we turn our back on God again. And we live without gratitude to him we live in a way that just totally turns from what we know he's done for us and to me this is this is scary because we're not working for him we know that he's totally delivered us from something and we take that for granted and we say to me it's like saying thanks but i'm doing my own thing and that's a scary thought because if I know the Lord has just literally saved me from something and then I turn my back on him, then I open myself up to whatever lies out there because I've just said, I don't need your protection. I don't need your help. I don't need you guiding me anymore. 
And that's like going into a foreign land and turning your GPS off, acting like you know where you're at and you're going to get there. And, and it reminds me of a story because my partner and I, one time when I was on the ambulance, we went to, and if he's listening, he'll probably remember this story. We had a transfer where we take patients from one hospital to another up in the Chicago area. And at the time, there was a lot of violence, gun violence, and uh, just violence, I should say, in one of the impoverished neighborhoods of Chicago. And we didn't have GPS then. I don't even remember how. I think we were using uh, just pre-printed map quest from the internet things to get where we were going. Well, we took a wrong turn and we ended up in that neighborhood where all the calamity and turmoil was. And we saw buildings with, you know, there were multi-story buildings that had fire markings hanging out the windows and broken windows and and lots of things in the, the courtyards of these buildings. And we figured out real quick we were in a very dangerous situation, and we were, like, thankful we were in an ambulance because we were hoping that would give us some cover. But we knew that this violent situation that Chicago was going through at the time, it didn't matter. And sometimes because you were an authoritative figure, that puts you right in the crosshairs if you're tracking with me on what kind of violence it was, because there was a lot of gun violence there. And so we did our best to get out of it, and we were thankful that we got out of there unscathed. So what I'm telling you is when we know God has helped us through something, we need to keep the GPS on and just stay connected with him. Because it's a scary situation to be in a place when you don't have his leading. And we're, you know, I know to this day, he'll remember that. And we, we are thankful that we got out of there without any issues. So Jesus goes on, and here's the thing. He talks about the light again, not hiding it under a bushel and, you know, letting your light stand because he... This I highlight this because I love this part. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Okay, makes sense. Make sure that light you think you have is not actually darkness. Because if you're filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as through a floodlight as though a floodlight were filling you with light. So there's no, you can have no dark corners. And you got to think about that. I always think about a flashlight where you put a filter on because the filter, you know, does something to the light. It can deflect it. It can re redirect it. And if we got some dark corner in our life, it's going to deflect, redirect, or even dis, 
engage what we are trying to do in living the life that Jesus wants us to live. And so um, Jesus is talking and one of the Pharisees starts giving him grief. And so the rest of the chapter, Jesus is kind of chastising these Pharisees because they're real careful to follow all their laws that they make when really they need to be more in a heart-to-heart relationship with the Lord. And so uh, he spends that time telling people, and then he warns, chapter 12 starts off with Jesus warning his disciples about the yeast of the Pharisees again and being careful because, you know, a yeast, it only takes a little bit and it permeates through everything. And he's like, that kind of mindset is toxic. And a little of that goes a long way. And he says, so don't get caught up in that. Don't do that because whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops. So what you think you're hiding, like these Pharisees were, is going to come out one day. It's going to get exposed. And, man, have we seen that? It's been exposed with some of these uh, high uh, exposed, and I didn't even mean to say exposed, but some of these high, uh, highly attentive and highly watched and highly admired uh, TV personalities where all of a sudden what's hidden in the dark is exposed and then shouted for all to see through media. And, you know, what we want to do, what Jesus is saying is we don't want to be that. We want to represent the way we're supposed to represent in Jesus' name, which in Jesus' name is purity. So he says, don't don't be afraid of those that can kill your body. This is highlighted like in a whole different color for me because this is huge. Don't be afraid of those that can kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. Instead, fear God, because he has the power to kill you and then throw you to hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. Yes, you know, we heard this in the other gospel too. Fear God, because not only does he have the power to kill us, but he has the power to send us to hell. He has the power to decide where our souls go to. And that is completely up to us and what decision we're going to make with do we want to have Jesus in our life or do we not want to have Jesus in our life. So he's telling us, don't fear man, man. Fear God. Because God is over all man. And God is the one who we end up answering to in the end. And there's a lot of times, you know, I have to admit that I wonder why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then I'm like, but I'm doing it. And we'll we'll see this in Colossians 3.23. We do this not for man. We do it as if we're doing it for God, not man. And I have to remind myself, I do this because this is what the Lord wants me to do. 
and he's the one that I do it for, and he's the one that makes a way for me every day. And so sometimes we just got to remind ourselves of that. And we have to, you know, he goes, if you acknowledge me publicly on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge you in the presence of God's angels. But if we deny him on earth, we will be denied before God's angels. So if we're going to deny him, we're not any better than Peter. But here's the thing. If we catch that like Peter did, he forgives us. Isn't that awesome? And Jesus goes on to tell us that he'll forgive us. The only thing he won't forgive is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is something that's super hard to do because you got to be in the Spirit to blaspheme the Spirit. And he says, when you get ridiculed and you're getting made fun of and when you're getting mistreated, don't worry about what to say because the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in your time of need. So what's that mean? It means stay calm and speak slowly. In other words, I don't mean draw it out. I mean be slow to respond. That's what's going to separate us from the others is our actions and reactions because we give the Holy Spirit time to give us the words to say or not to say. Remember, as we saw in the Passion, Jesus went through a whole lot of things and he said nothing. And sometimes that's the best thing to do. And so Jesus talks about the rich man who thought he was going to, he had all these crops and he didn't have anywhere to store them, so he's going to tear down his barns and build bigger ones so he can have more room for his stuff. And Jesus says, you know what? Ah, your greed is going to be the death of you. So don't, don't, don't store your treasures here on earth. Seek the kingdom above all else and he will give you everything you need. The Lord will take care of you. Don't worry about things that you need. This, Jesus goes into the whole don't worry about things. Don't worry about what you need. The Lord will take care of you. You don't have to be greedy. You don't have to worry about it. And man, yesterday we had the biggest answer to prayer. I was hooting and hollering in my house like people... I mean, people are used to me doing that, but it's like I was so blessed and I was weeping over it. I text my leadership team and I told them, God just answered a prayer so big for us. Hmm. And I'm getting blessed right now by it. But it's so good. And the Lord takes care of us so much. I'm telling you, my treasures, I don't, there's not enough here on this earth to have treasures in. They're all in Jesus because all my hope is in Jesus and that's all I can tell you that's so good and so Jesus just tells us man put your hope in me put your trust in me and I will take care of you and I'll be first to tell you he will take care of you and he has never failed us and I just said the other day at just the right time and boy was that just the right time so here's the thing. Jesus says, 
So be dressed and ready for service and keep your lights burning. Be ready because he's coming back. And we we don't know when. He told us that in the other gospels. Be ready because we got to be ready. A faithful servant is always ready. And spread the word because for someone who's been given much, much will be required. Okay? We got to spread the word because Jesus trusts us with that. And then he goes into the division part real quick. People think I came to set the world on fire and make it a great place. and But here's the thing. I didn't come for that. I, I came not so much for peace. I am the Prince of Peace, yes, but because I'm the Prince of Peace, there will be a lot of division. And when he talks about division, people think the harsh reality, you know, they're going to hate me, they're going to hate me. But here, can I just put it this way? It's not always that hated part of division. There's subtle division that goes on every day. There's division in my own house, you know, where people in my own family don't aren't with us. They don't believe that we believe what we believe, my wife and I. Some of my own kids are divided because we stand firm in what we believe in Jesus and we know Jesus is our only solution. And they're, they're like, I don't see that. And as much as Jesus has revealed himself to us, that doesn't mean they hate us. That doesn't mean they're persecuting us. That doesn't mean they don't believe in Jesus and that he exists. But there's division there to the depth of what we are about. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Mother against daughter, father against son, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. That's, that's what he's talking about. It doesn't mean there's fisticuffs and people hate each other. Now, that does happen, too because that's in my family too, but not in my immediate family. And I'm telling you that the subtleties are just as harmful because Jesus says, unless we become like one of these children, as humble as one of these children and put our trust in him to the fullest, with our undivided commitment in Jesus, we won't see the kingdom. And that's what he's talking about. We don't have to think that it's fisticuffs and and real bad verbiage between people. There's the subtle divisions that are just as hard. And it's like, what do we do? We pray. We pray that God will reveal himself to them as much and they will see Jesus through us because we have to speak Jesus. And how do you speak Jesus? Through your reactions, your actions, and your interactions. They have to see that what we say we believe, we really believe. And that's what's going to change people more than anything is prayer and you speaking Jesus in the ways you live. And that's how he closes out today. (laughs) Because he wants us to just be the examples. He opens up with sending us out, being witnesses, and he closes out with us. Now speak it, believe it, 
Help them know that what you say you believe, you really believe. And man, that's huge. So today, if you believe what you say you believe, speak it in everything you do, your actions, reactions, and interactions. And any subtle divisions you know of, maybe they will come into full commitment with you. Have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow on the Daily Word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain? Washing my